There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. Liam, the numbers at the weekend look a bit scary. Are are, are we right to be worried or should we just be mindful? Good morning. Good morning, PJ. Um, I suppose a little of both maybe might be the best way of putting it. Um, At the moment, uh, where Ireland is with respect to its pandemic or uh, endemic uh, COVID-19 infection at the moment, is that the infections that we're seeing are largely amongst the unvaccinated. Um, And, you know, we have seen that, you know, most individuals above uh, 50 years of age, nearly 100% of them vaccinated, you know, um, and as you move down, it's slightly less. But in the next two or three weeks, we'll have over 70% of the 18 to 24-year-olds doubly vaccinated. So when you say we have uh, 80% doubly vaccinated and 90% with one shot, that's of the adult population. So we've got to bear that in mind all the time, PJ, when you're talking about concern or we'll say uh, mild worry about these figures. We have a little over two-thirds of the actual full population of Ireland vaccinated. So that gives you some perspective as to the, if you like, unvaccinated um proportion of the population that are left but we know that most of that population are uh, under 30 um, will likely have an uneventful COVID um, infection um, but we still have a group of those individuals who have underlying conditions and um, who will be vaccinated, but who don't want to come in contact with friends who have the virus and may give mm. it to them, even though they're vaccinated. So um, it's something to keep, an, uh, I mean, we can keep an eye on it, but we have to appreciate now that this is an infection of largely of the unvaccinated individual. And if nothing else should give focus to individuals who are kind of slightly worried or concerned about side effects of vaccination and, and, and stuff, um, you know, the, the complications sometimes arising from COVID-19 infection are far worse than what you get from, uh, you know, mild sore arm with respect to um, vaccine or the very rare cases of myocarditis and such. So, you know, there's, there's also, um, I suppose, positivity to be taken from these numbers as well, PJ, mm. in that if we didn't have vaccination, and the numbers of the population vaccinated, uh, those numbers could be, you know, in the order of what we saw from January. We could yeah. be 8 and 10,000. We'd, we'd be headed for lockdown if it wasn't for the success of vaccination. Am I right? Well, I think we'd be in it. I don't think we'd be heading for it. I think we'd be in it. Um, and uh, so, you know, so there's, very, there's, there's positivity within those kind of 2000s as well. You know what I mean, PJ? Yeah. Really? We've done and, and I suppose it's job. important to stress, Liam, like the vast, vast, vast majority of those will have little more than a snuffle and a cough. Correct, PJ. Correct. Absolutely. But what we re- So our target now is of the quarter of a million that are between 12 and 15, we have 72,000 of them after signing up to the portal. We need the remainder to sign up and get vaccinated. Why? So, you know, because we have to protect 
the social development of these young children, whatever about schooling, and that's of course really important and all, social development, their mental health, their friends, their buddies, their GAA, and um, whatever sport they're playing, they're swimming, that all needs to kick in again. And vaccination is the one sure way of helping them do that because what we've heard from the Department of Education is that if you're vaccinated and you're a young person in secondary school um, and there's an, a positive in, in the class, you won't have to go home. But if you're unvaccinated, you will have to go home. That means mum or dad or a parent or guardian has to probably take time off to get you tested and, you know, the collateral uh, impact then on the family dynamic and family workings, never mind the education, sociability yeah. and socialising of the child. So, you know, you know, within those numbers, there's real sense of, you know, these vaccines are working. So I would encourage parents and guardians to really look at verified information on the HSE website as to why it's of value to, and yeah. in their particular family circumstances, PJ, you know. Like Important also, the proportion of people, and Paul Reid is right, of course, as the daily figures go up, you, you, you are going to have a proportion of people ending up in hospital. Now, that proportion is minuscule compared to where we were in January, and, and that's saving us too. It is, absolutely. And I, I suppose at the back of his mind is that even though the numbers are large, you know, they're, they're, prob- they're still impacting on the delivery of healthcare, no yeah. matter what way you look at it. Like, if we didn't have COVID, we'd be back with our usual waiting list. But now we have COVID and additional waiting lists in deferred care. You know, it's also, what these figures also show, though, PJ, is that we're going to, you know, we're in this luxurious position, I suppose, of having to have social conversations about masks, you know, whether you know your colleagues are vaccinated or not, you yes. know, and those tricky issues um, for moving from the comfort of masks and social distancing into what we had two years ago um, and, you know, meeting your co- colleagues at the water cooler or having for coffee. And, you know, if you know they're vaccinated, well, then you're all as a group, you know, you're, 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 you're protecting each other. But it's the, because this is an infection of the unvaccinated individuals, we're going to have to start having a conversation about yeah. how do we deal with and work with colleagues who won't tell other colleagues that they're vaccinated um, or that they're not vaccinated and won't say. Because that gives a sense of, you know, that's a perverse incentive for someone to, get, to have kind of control over the work environment. Now, that's a rather unusual situation. But, you know, we don't want to be working towards protecting ourselves from the very few that are not vaccinated. Like, they're our risk then. They become our risk, PJ. Mm. Let's, not, let's, let's not sugarcoat this. They will become the large risk for most of the population. We were talking here last week about the situation with regard to, to schools and personally, you know, my my kids are finished school, but I was thinking in terms of parents with children going back to school last week, who have, or next month rather, who have effectively been told by the Department of Education, and I'm paraphrasing and I stress that, they've effectively been told by the Department of Education, you do not have the right to know whether your child's teacher is vaccinated. Is that acceptable, Liam? Oh, that's a, now that's a loaded question. It is a loaded that's, question. But it is a loaded question, but take it from two perspectives. One, health and safety, and one, one, one's own integrity to the privacy of your medical uh, information. So there's, there's the two things. From a health and safety perspective, you know, uh, what we, we know is that individuals who are unvaccinated are more likely to be infected than those individuals who are vaccinated. So therefore, they are everybody else's risk. So therefore, they should continue to wear masks. They should continue to social distance. And if there is an outbreak in the class, they should remove themselves from it for the appropriate period as a direct contact. So that has implications then for the education of the pupils. Um, Take secondary secondary schools. They will all largely be vaccinated, hopefully. And if for some reason an individual cannot be vaccinated, teachers you just mentioned, well then, you know, uh, some consideration has to be given as to whether that teacher should be, you know, 
close to students who um, are vaccinated. So they've done their bit. And, you know, some people just can't get vaccinated. You know, yeah. maybe they're just at the early stages of pregnancy and they haven't passed that 14-week yeah. period where they can get vaccinated. And I think That's we must accept, we must accept that there will always be a tiny cohort who physically cannot be vaccinated. We must always oh, accept that. Correct. And they will probably have to continue with the social protection measures that we've become accustomed to to protect themselves from others. In other words, the mass, the social distance, maybe working remotely. And I suppose that comes down to then if you have an individual who cannot get vaccinated, we'll say long term in the workforce, do they are they allowed to work at home or is it even possible for them to work at home continuously um, mm. in the absence of engagement with um, and working with colleagues? Because I suppose work is not just about work. Work is about doing those parts of your job that are not even on your job description, you know, answering queries from colleagues, you know, helping training in individuals, all this. So it's not just about um, uh, teaching or it's not just about, you know, deliver, you know, being a mechanic or whatever. It's about the other things that you do as part of your job as well, you know. So it, it, it will be a very tricky nuance when it comes to kind of me telling everybody, I have no problem telling everybody I'm vaccinated. Yeah. Um, and, um, and this is where the rub lies, PJ, is that people who are very forthcoming with their information are meeting maybe some individuals who are very private and don't want it. They may be vaccinated, they may not be vaccinated. And this is where we're going to have complications with respect to privacy of information, but also complications with respect to how one manages our workforce and protects everybody from Mm. the unvaccinated individual who, after all, will be the greatest risk of acquiring COVID-19. This is is endemic now in the unvaccinated population. (laughs) And the further we squeeze that down, the less opportunity for the vaccinated to become infected. So yeah. there's a double win there. there. There is a point, and look, I know you're not an epidemiologist, but Correct. epidemiology, epidemiologically speaking, God, I had to learn so hard to say that word, <laughs> is like we, we should now get to a point, should we not, where the vaccination will be so intense that the spread of the virus in the community will begin to automatically plateau and drop. Correct. Now, uh, are we yeah. anywhere near that in your estimation? Well, in my estimation, we'll, this is where the absolute population number vaccinated is more important now than the actual number of adult population. You know, 80% yeah. doubly vaccinated, 90%. But that's of the adult population. We're about two-thirds. But if we only if we vaccinated everybody above 12, PJ, we will still have around about 900,000 individuals under 12 who will be unvaccinated. Now, I know that the, the pharmaceutical companies, Pfizer and Moderna, are due to lodge their documents with the FDA towards the end of September, beginning of uh, October, for the 5 to 11-year-olds. And that will be another conversation that parents, that if it is approved by the EMA and then subsequently by NIAC, um, that parents should have, you know, it's time to be thinking about, well, if the vaccine was available for a 5 to 11-year-old, do I sit down with my 5 to 11-year-old and explain to them the value of having this done and that the parent or guardian, mum or dad, or whoever is the the person talking to them, you know, gives them the information and discusses with them in an age-appropriate manner, and then obviously the parent or guardian makes the ultimate mm. decision. But, you know, if you include, you know, them in the conversation, I, you know, I think we'll have as much an enthous- of enthusiasm as we've seen with the uh, 12 upwards. Now, that's some way off yet, PJ. Yes. But we will still see, if they're never, vac- never offered the vaccine, um, then we will have roughly about 800,000, 900,000, which is approximately a fifth of our population. So even if we get 100% of everybody else, that's still 80% of the population vaccinated. So, you know, um, it's this kind of magic figure of herd immunity or even kind of, you know, national protection against COVID-19 and, and protecting our hospitals. 
we will need to see where this lies, if we, as many as we can get. And this is where it comes down to, I suppose, if we're meeting a kind of 5-10% that just will not get vaccinated. Whatever about taking aside those that can't get vaccinated, mm-hmm. but those that will not for whatever reason. Uh, is there a, a case for discussing mandatory vaccination in, in, in some groups, in some parts of society, where you know, there's just a refusal to get vaccinated and there isn't an appropriate workaround? Yeah. Um, with them at the, at the where, where, where do you stand on mandatory, Liam? Um, at the moment, we don't need it, but I'm very much open to a discussion on it. Should we hit that kind of brick wall and we end up with a percentage of the population that's too high for us as a, as, a, as a nation to kind of cope with endemic COVID-19? And that's still feeding in you know, numbers into ICU. That's the health system, which has been under resort for years, cannot cope with. It's getting better, but you know what I mean? So it, it, this is going to be... You know, how the hospitals can cope with the level of, we'll say, where, where we're going to plateau. Because we're going to, you know, where we've been on a, an ever-increasing curve with respect to positivity for vaccination. That's going to plateau off at some stage as we get everybody vaccinated. Mm-hmm. That, you know, there's going to, and so when we're left with that particular small group, it very much depends on the impact on the health service that, that those ongoing rumbling endemic infections have, PJ. Um, I suppose, personally speaking, you know, from a, a work perspective, you know, uh, un, unvaccinated individuals will still have to, in my opinion, continue to wear masks. And if the individuals are not declaring, I suppose it's best for a work, you know, best to assume, um, rightly or wrongly, that they're unvaccinated. I know people can, you know, have the right to privacy and integrity with respect to their, their own personal data. But from a collegial workforce perspective, um, mm. those that are unvaccinated will be able to mix freely. Those that are not declaring or are unvaccinated will surely have to wear masks and maybe not allow them into the workforce or else have to, you know, socially distance. So we will see, you know, we will see some bleed over into the work dynamic, I think, PJ. And, you know, you know, this is we've seen uh, a complete block or absence on antigen testing as a capacity to kind of, you know, uh, further enhance, and I suppose. Although the, I think the they're going to start using that in the colleges, are they, they not? They, they are, no, they are very much so. Uh, um, and I have, uh, you know, uh, excellent colleagues in UCC who are kind of uh, uh, pushing that forward, and you know that's going to be very helpful. But I, uh, you know, uh, you know, you know, we, we, through, for whatever we, we know the reasons, um, you know, that there is not going to be freely available antigen testing. But as this virus is pushed and pushed and pushed more into the unvaccinated. Um, we will end up having to have a conversation about, you know, where does the unvaccinated fit in and is it going to impact on our maybe losing the masks or a directive from government to say that, well, masks are now optional and, you know, you can choose to wear them if you wish. Uh, If we Mm. have reached that, you know, everybody above 12, which we'll say is about 80% of our population vaccinated, you know, or most of them, um, then, you know, we really have to have conversations about, can you know, do we need, masks should be made mandatory at that, or sorry, voluntary at that stage. There's a piece in the Irish Times this morning, I was going through it, 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 that says that public health officials uh, are are discussing a number of things at the moment. They think we'll need to have uh, masks in shops and public transport and stuff until at least next spring, but that they may be able to ease off uh, in, in other places, and that if the R number gets down to one or below, we can start to, to ease up significantly. Okay, so on the on the masks, and so I suppose what, what, what that's kind of slightly hinting at too is that we're coming into maybe a flu season. We've seen in 
in New Zealand and in America, they've had a resurgence of a virus that's abbreviated to RSV. It's basically like a head cold type virus, but it actually impacts on some young kids quite significantly. Um, and um, so we don't know in the unvaccinated what it's going to be like for uh, an individual who's co-infected with COVID-19 and perhaps maybe RSV or influenza. You know, you have a double whammy there mm. on the lungs and on the systemic system. So we have no idea about that. And, you know, so public health and the mask, we've seen last year, we had hardly any flu whatsoever. But that was primarily as a result of, yes, some of the, the, the public health measures. But we, the, the flu, flu wasn't circulating in as much uh, as uh, globally last year anyway. And that was primarily as a result of there being a, you know, a weak enough flu or influenza season or respiratory virus season mm. in the southern hemisphere. Because Plus we were all social distancing and washing yeah, our hands exactly. and bones. Well, well, yeah, but also globally there was much less of it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So... This year, I think we'll see the signs of uh, the beginnings of the resurgence of kind of some of those respiratory viruses. And perhaps the following winter, we might have what's called to repay back some of this immunological debt. In other words, we're not as immune as we used to be because we weren't always being exposed to these. Yeah. And we don't generate really effective long term memory and immune memory on these. So um, I think the wearing of masks. Um, should be made optional once when we hit that kind of magic figure of about 80% of the total population um, because let's face it the, the, the discussion for the under 12 is a bit mute at the moment because yeah. we don't have VMA approval so the most we can get if we got everybody vaccinated is about 80% PJ so um, and, and maybe the vulnerable under, under 12 they might kind of make an exception for that but we remember we'll also have uh, plenty of individuals who were vaccinated last January so they may need uh, booster Boosters. shots yeah. Uh, yeah. which should, which we should, and I think Paul Reed has said this in as so far as possible to go to abundance with the flu vaccination program, which you know again uh, I would implore people to consider getting the flu vaccine this year as well. Okay. You know they may not have in other years, but please you know consider it from but a national perspective and your own family. Lastly and briefly to come back to where we started with this one, Liam Fenning, uh, numbers are uncomfortably high day to day at the moment. Cause for concern or cause for caution? Cause for caution. You know, I mean, we have a watching brief on this. Uh, we have 80% of the adult population doubly vaccinated. We're moving into 12 years. We're in an extremely good position. But nobody wants to see our hospitals overrun coming in if we got a nasty flu season or something come on top of that. So, cause for just, you know, keep watching me. Please, people who are unvaccinated, mind yourselves, social distance, do the mask, you know the mantra, uh, protect yourselves and protect others, and go for the vaccine. All right, listen, Liam, thank you very much, Professor Liam Fanning. He's Professor of Immunovirology at UCC. Quartz 96 FM. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.